So good communication is, you know, key if you understand the other person because you know they're, you know, like a two or a five and you know what their motivations are, you know what burns them up, you know their weaknesses and their strengths. What you have is you have a, you have a, like an in with, you know, what their core motivations are and it helps you understand why they do what they do, why they say what they say, and it just makes communication more cohesive. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back, guys. We are on week two of the Enneagram and relationships, and this is brought to you by Jen and Sky. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So we are currently, it's super late at night. Our kids are in bed. I'm in my PJs. You're in your PJs. No, you're not in your PJs yet. No, I'm in workout clothes. He hasn't changed yet. I have yet to shower. (laughs) And we are just trying to come at this with a real conversation and kind of bring you guys what the Enneagram's done for us. And this is near the end but not quite the end but near the end of our Ennea New Year series so you guys will get a chance to really dive into the Enneagram if you back up a few episodes and you'll get a chance to know all the Enneagram types one through nine but I am an Enneagram too and my lovely husband Skylar is an Enneagram five he's a five he's a five uh I think I just want to like dive right into it. Like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So like I'm an Enneagram too and really my type is titled uh, the helper or sometimes you hear them discussed as the supportive advisor and truly I think when I first started learning about my Enneagram type, I was like, oh, <laughs> like it was just, bleh. you know, and did you get that? It's with not yours? that bad. Well, everybody um, so- feels that way about their own type, I feel like. Not really. No, like... Well, you fought yours pretty hard. I fought it a bit. <laughs> well, let me preface with I feel like it's unfair to make broad sweeping generalizations about who people are. I mean, this is their personality. It's like a fingerprint. Don't you put me in a box. They, yeah, don't put me... Nobody puts baby in a freaking corner, man. All right? Are you calling yourself baby? Maybe I am. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, now I will say there are some very good points to the Enneagram and I don't disagree with it. And on a lot of points, I very much agree with it. I've actually found it very useful. However, I do feel as though, um, I don't know, maybe I'm an enigma in some cases. I just, I kind of flip flop around. I'm not really. Well, I think that your subtype. Like, if you guys had a chance to listen to more... That's more more the gripe I have, is, yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think that because you're... I think your subtype is not necessarily... um, Like, for instance, like a five is called the the investigative thinker. Did you guys catch that from everything that he just described? No, they didn't catch any of it because I didn't talk about it. (laughs) No, no, but if they picked up on anything you were just saying, you were very... I value information. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he was very... Very much so. (laughs) But the subtypes, they have three subtypes, and you've got the social, you've got one-on-one, you've got... What's the other one? There's another one. I don't think that you're the like protective self-protective type which is the third one that i'm can't remember oh yeah because that's the, pretty um, typical for a five is to be really like self-protective. Sh- shut in yeah the yeah the kind that tends to just shut everybody out they they're very self-protective 
and that, that would make sense for a five because that's a very like typical Dang behavior it. what is the word for that i'm it's late i know self-protective that's and all i got the english language is often my enemy i <laughs> but i think you're a social five yes which means you're you're gonna be kind of an enigma because you don't act like a five outwardly yeah and to be more clear what you know jenny's talking about is i don't share a lot of the more um like non-social tendencies of the fives where they kind of like retreat into themselves they're not they're very awkward in social settings they don't like being in big groups they like their you know comfort space they like predictability um they don't like the unknown which is why we're you know fiends for information we like to we like to know things. Yeah, they like developing complex ideas and the innovative thinking, inventive thinking, which very much does describe you. Like, I've, I've always called you MacGyver. I can solve weird problems. It's true. For instance. Story <laughs> oh, time. Oh, gosh. Story time. <laughs> so I was pregnant with Paxton, our oldest. And he went down a very lazy river, a slow moving. Like when she, you could when she says he, she means me, not Paxton. Well, I was pregnant with him. I right. <laughs> Skylar was rafting with some friends down a very lazy, slow river. And they got a hole in their floatable raft. And... Long went the time I was expecting him home, and it's, it's it's August, and I'm about five months pregnant, six months pregnant with my first baby. Um, I don't live near any family. I've got lots of friends nearby, but I start to kind of panic, and I'm like, okay, he's not answering his phone. It's past the time he said he was going to be home. I don't know what to do. And I eventually started calling friends and said, have you heard from him? Do anything? It was getting dark. Well, it eventually did start to get dark, and then I started yeah. to get mad. And yeah. I was just like... What is going on? And then we started, we sent out search parties to all of the stop points along that river trying to find you and your friend. And then when it got dark, I started to panic. Then I really started to panic. And the very last stop that we possibly could have found him, found him. (laughs) It's a very long story. But turns out that hole that he got in his raft, he was chewing gum. Yes, he was chewing gum. At the time, yeah. At the time. Mm-hmm. He took out the shoestring, the drawstring from his swim shorts, stuck the gum in the hole, and then wrapped the the drawstring around the hole in the gum to try to get down the river. Like True story. What? I had to cut, I had to cut the drawstring with a rock. <laughs> and so it, it didn't cut easily. I had to... You know when you like have a hammer and you hammer it against something and mm-hmm. there's string in between and it breaks? That's what I had to do. Oh, my word. But yeah, so I put the gum in the hole and then kind of rolled it a bit and then, you know, tied it. It worked really well. And it, was, was it just you and one other person? Or yeah. Or was anybody else there? And he just stopped. The, the, your, the person with you just looked at it. It was he just was like, like, I don't I, know what to do. He's like, I can't believe you just did that. Did that actually <laughs> fix it? Is it leaking anymore? I'm like, no, I think it's it's fine. I mean, it wasn't just that. We got some bad information about how long this float was supposed to take. And, uh, I mean, you know, the whole time I was like, Jen's going to kill me. Jen's going to rip my guts out. I don't know. (laughs) And here I'm thinking that I'm going to become a single woman. Pregnant. Yeah, that's that was unfair. I'm sorry. (laughs) Raging hormones. Like, honestly, it was just the craziest situation. But if that tells you the ingenuity and the inventiveness of a Type 5, I don't know what will. I was like, we're going down this river. We're going to do it. We're going to finish. We're going to get to our destination. Because they had a drop-off point where the other person's car was. So it's kind of like you had to get there. And this is, it's a rather long, lazy river. Anyway, but knowing that about the Five, honestly, actually really helped me. Like, it helped me understand you even deeper. I mean, we've been married... It'll be 15 years this year in October. So we've been together 15 years. We were only engaged for a short time. So we've been together 15 years. It'll be married 15 in October. And you'd think that in 15 years, it would have taken, you know, five, six, seven years to figure each other out. But I feel like we were just starting to get a handle 
yeah. on each other's personalities at the five, six, seven year mark. And it all started with the love languages, mm-hmm. learning about our love language. That really helped a lot. It's a big eye opener. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, we still, I feel like we still would have been okay, but, but, um, but I think what the Enneagram helped with was understanding like core knee-jerk reactions that we have like right. things that just make us who us are who us who we are i knew what you meant but it's late, I, don't, guys. I don't know if that's the right way. <laughs> let's put it this way i could not come up with the right way to say that so i'm not, I'm not even gonna try sorry guys it is it's, it's kind of late but we're we're getting by but for for me it really helped because with an enneagram five t- talking honestly this is hard to talk about a little bit, but when you talk about like the core fears, the things that make us uncomfortable, mm. that is a very knee jerk reaction. Like that's not something that you can like talk yourself out of. You're still going to have some of those thoughts. Like for instance, for the Enneagram two, being rejected and wanted, um, being thought worthless or needy, um, dispensable or unworthy of love. I think unworthy of love is probably the overarching fear for two, which is who I like the type that I am. Um, which those all make me squirm a little bit. Mm. I'm just saying. <laughs> for for a five, it's um like feeling um, incapable or ignorant, mm. um or being you know annihilated or and I think okay if I'm gonna put this into like how it applies to me, it's more so on I don't like looking or feeling stupid. Mm. incompetent incompetent yeah mm-hmm. dude that's like uh that's just the worst mm-hmm. um you know so i i try not to put myself in in those types of situations and i think that's why i'm you know fives are such fiends for information is because that's how we that's how we gain um or that's how we fight you know incompetency is by becoming competent so that way we're not like well, that speaks to your core desire i mean the yeah. core desire for a five is to feel competent to feel what what's the word i feel yeah capable feel yeah. capable and competent whereas like the core desire for a two is to be appreciated loved and wanted mm-hmm. i mean really a two and a five um i've read a little bit about some of the um things to expect in like in a relationship between a two and a five and really we could not be more different we're pretty different but at the same time we we complement each other because remember when yeah. we first found out about the enneagram where we were kind of like you know, like you, you know, kind of we're just saying, you know, we're so different mm-hmm. and how I, I bet our pairing is uncommon, but it's yeah. actually a little bit more. We found out it's more common than complimentary. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that like Enneagram twos, they we <laughs> really want to be able to nurture and love and care for others. Uh, it's just part of who we are. Mm-hmm. And everything I've understood about fives is that... We like that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like a, a do the cha-cha. I, I think that with fives, that part of that competency, um, I, I know that some of the, the core weakness is... I've never understood this word, avarice. I don't understand that word. However, I understand kind of the meaning of it, like that lack of inner resources that... Um, you know, withholding that sort of a thing. Um, I think that twos want to nurture yeah. and care for and build up and Right. And it complements very well that way. And I, I don't think at least in my case, I have never seen you as needy. Um Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I, I've seen you as more of um I don't know. I've just never really thought about it like that. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like you were very, what you ask of me is very um, comforting. Does that make sense? I feel useful. I've heard that about a two and five pairings too, that fives <laughs> feel comforted by the yeah. two's need to nurture and sure. care. That's so interesting. Well, and kind of the opposite too. Like when. You feel needed. I When I feel needed, I feel complete in some ways mm-hmm. which is kind of the double-edged sword right you know it's like I, I think it's interesting that a lot of enneagram types superpowers are also their achilles heel mm. and i think it's not the whole balance you know it's like if you're if you're harmonious in the way that you live your life then you're okay with the ebb and flow of up and down and pull this way and that way but 
I don't know. I think that's why kind of like what you're touching upon, like balance. We balance, we seem to balance each other out Mm -hmm. really well. Well, I think, I think it helps that we've worked really hard to be healthy human beings. Yeah. Um, it's been a huge priority for us to make each other better people and not just be accomplices to each other's lives. (laughs) We were kind of talking about this a little bit yesterday, weren't we? Um, or was it Monday? We were talking about how we're each, the the pair of us are also individual people and we've spent mm. a lot of time coming up or, you know, developing our own identity as individual people and we're not, uh, you know, what's the term I'm looking for? I'm sorry. We're not appendages of each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we're not... We're not so dependent on each other that we can't codependency. Function. Codependency. That's there the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that can be a big problem for these types, mm. um, especially for twos. Is, I mean, really, in the last two years since I started to get into the enneagram, that was like a big deal for us and our relationship. Was I really started to become woke to what I was creating? Yeah, I was creating this environment where i mean not to be morbid but like what if i died what would you guys do like yeah <laughs> there was so much that i you, you and my parents because we all live in the same home so we're all in a multi-generational household that i was like you guys don't know that i do and you don't know that there's a need there that i fill and it's a huge disservice to you guys and i'm like I don't find you guys incompetent or incapable or un, untrustworthy in any way. So wh- why why have I created that? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, about two and a half years ago, I had an absolute mental breakdown on Skylar. Like, mental breakdown. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was... It's pretty epic. It was... I wouldn't say it was like clash of the titans you know (laughs) but because you listened you weren't like fighting at me you were kind of letting me (laughs) come at you yeah (laughs) to to be fair he was coming to me about something he wanted to address and talk about and i absolutely fell apart like i i exploded and which is good i mean if you're sometimes and i do this too uh everyone does they hold back a lot of feelings um they creep up on you and you're not really so the holding back's not good but the letting it out's good letting it out is good um letting it out too much uh you know you gotta kind of vet what your issues are (laughs) and make sure it's something that you you know actually need to you know bring up otherwise it's just like constant criticism and it's not good it's you know can turn it can turn toxic yeah, and it was really important for me to feel heard in that moment uh, because I had not been, and it's not because anybody made me feel this way, it's that I wasn't speaking my mind. I wasn't speaking, I was just taking care of things. I would see a need and I would take care of it. And then pretty soon I was taking care of it all the time. And then Nobody else knew that I was doing it or it. nobody knew how to do what I did. And when I would go out of town, it was like the backbone of the house was gone and it was uncomfortable. And I went, why, why is this like this? It's because I created it 100%. Well, to be fair, um, I had kind of, I was not, it's not like I was checked out or anything, but I was, I was having my own struggle. I was in, I had a, I had a job in a job situation, which was basically like worst case scenario for a five. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Worst case scenario for a five indeed. And it was just every day was just a struggle. Um, constant, like I was getting yelled at every day. I constantly didn't have the information flying by the seat of my pants when i when fives get like that they're like uh you know when they're like seven yeah they They go go to to their seven in stress they're high strung and intense and detached and you know when i got home it was like all i could do 
to not just yell at, you know, my kids, you know, which I, I'm not, I'm not a, no, you're not a yeller. I'm not a yeller. Mm-mm. And it was like, man, it's like, what's wrong with me? You know, and I, I just need to unplug. I need to not, I, I had decision fatigue for and, sure. And I thought for sure that this was an adjustment period that you were going right. to because it was, it was a high stakes position mm-hmm. like you had a lot going on you were managing a lot of people. Had a lot of responsibility yeah and there wasn't a lot of information given to you and you had to seek the information but you, you don't know what you don't know i had to learn by get by failing a lot mm-hmm. and i and looking incompetent a lot and looking stupid a over lot. a year and a half periods time like this wasn't yeah. just over like three or four months i <laughs> it mean was it was like... it was a long year and a half <laughs> i don't want to sound you know super uh, I don't know what the word is like weak and needy, but it was uh, it was abuse for a five. It was pretty much it was it could be categorized as such. I, I will say that the enneagram came after that job. It did, and it helped me understand so much more of what you needed mm-hmm. in recovery because really you were in post trauma recovery. Yeah. Like, I, I I really dislike how people categorize big T trauma and little t trauma as whether it's real trauma or not. It's it's all about how how are you internalizing that experience? Is it traumatic for you? And in this case, this was traumatic for you. I mean, this would be like me being a prison guard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that would be really traumatic for me. Well, and and that's that's you bring up a good point just about people in general. It's where two people experience the same thing, but they both process the stress differently. Mm-hmm. One person could say, "Man, it wasn't really that bad," but the other person is like, a, you know, feels extremely fatigued from mm-hmm. said experience and probably has some baggage or issues that they need to work out. And so, I, I think it's doing you know people in psychology in general a disservice to say that big t and little t trauma and by saying that you know oh well you know the thing you're feeling right now the thing that is driving you to you know think about harming yourself or suicide is that's just really not a big deal you're just not tough enough i feel like that's such a stupid conclusion to come to all of the eight and nines and ones are like, ah, right now they're <laughs> super justice seeking, you know, <laughs> no, anyway. <laughs> anyway, but I feel like that helped me understand what you were going through. And I didn't worry about you in mm. recovery because I understood what was happening yeah. and what had happened to you. You know, I think while you were going through it, I was really concerned because I didn't understand, mm-hmm. um, I didn't understand what it meant to you to be in that position. And so I think being able to, and and that's really the the beauty of the Enneagram is being able to more fully understand someone's position and how they are internalizing their world and their environment. And I mean, it's helped us in parenting. Yeah. I think a lot. I mean, I never understood. I, I, don't i'm not i'm not criticizing you (laughs) that's okay bring it on (laughs) (laughs) but well are the two things that we argued over the most or disagreed on the most was money and parenting and uh, yeah which i cannot imagine that that's not common i think that's extremely common that's a broad sweeping statement i mean honestly i would think so Right. There's got to be other things, but if you're going to make a top five, those two things have got to be in the top five. Oh, I'd say top three. Easy. Yeah. Anyway, but it was challenging for me because whenever I disagreed with any of your parenting of any kind, it was, I felt like I couldn't bring it up because the moment I did, it turned into an argument every time instead of a discussion. And I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't want to argue. I just wanted to speak my mind. We've always been really open with each other. Yeah. Like he's, Skylar's always said to me since we were dating, like no baggage. Like we're going to we talk about things. We're going to talk about things. And that yeah. was, and that was really revolutionary for me. Um, it was really a new change for me. And I really liked that. And this was the only time that in driving, I couldn't tell you anything about your driving. I don't know what it is about I the do. driving thing. No, no, I, don't I get do. It. No, I do, I do, I do now. 
because with parenting and driving, those are kind of part, it's really easy to value or see someone's competency in parenting and driving in a lot of ways, or what we think is competent in parenting. Right. And having criticism towards someone's natural ability to want to parent a certain way can feel like a lack and, um, or, uh, you know, that, you know, you don't know anything and, Uh. and driving certainly, you know, you can, a person could look very incompetent driving and it just became a sore spot. Yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not going to get into it. There's other, (laughs) I'm sure there's other things about it too, but it irritates me is, is that's the main, the main thing. Just, I got a button. Please don't push it. Mm -hmm. If you can. I've learned. I've learned. Yes. Oh yeah. No, uh, for sure. It's gotten a lot better. Yeah. That was some of the best advice I ever got when we were first married is marriage is knowing each other's buttons and choosing not to push it. Yeah. Unless you're an eight. Facts. (laughs) People. I I added the eight part at the end. It's just, (laughs) it's like confrontations. It was just, but, um, so what would you say is the overarching thing that you've learned from the Enneagram from maybe that would be untypical of a man in a marriage? Like what? I think it boils down to communication. Hmm. And of course I'm going to talk a lot about information. Uh, (laughs) Data. That's what I value. (laughs) I think it boils down to, so, I mean, I think we could both agree that if you don't have good communication in a marriage, you don't have much of a marriage, do you? And yeah. if you're not remedying that situation, it's probably, you know, going to stay bad or get worse. Yeah. Um, so good communication is, you know, key. If you understand the other person because you know they're, you know, like a two or a five and you know what their motivations are, you know what burns them up, you know their weaknesses and mm-hmm. their strengths and uh you know their subtypes what you have is you have a you have a like an in with you know what their core motivations are and it helps you understand why they do what they do why they say what they say and it just makes communication more cohesive Mm -hmm. because before we found the enneagram and before we found love languages I thought the way I identified being loved was the only thing that made sense and the way everyone should identify mm-hmm. love because that's the way. That's Do- doesn't everybody think like that? Exactly. It's the most simplistic <laughs> form and that's what makes the most sense, right? And let me dive into it just a smidge. So what I mean by that is my main love language is quality time. And so, you know, why would I marry someone just to have a long distance relationship? Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? That makes no sense. We can have a long distance relationship and not be married. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to marry someone, I want to be in close proximity to them. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not I'm like Build a, a life together in person, not in like a stage five clinger way. I just mean, <laughs> you know, like. You want to develop the relationship and, and, you know, for me personally, the person who spends the most time with me on a regular basis knows me the best because mm. I'm constantly, you know, changing little things about my life and my interests and, and what well, we all are. Mm-hmm. I think I can't remember who said it or maybe it was a movie or something, but someone, uh, you know, the, the line that just remember people never change. It's like, I just hate that line. Like people, what are you talking about? People change all the time every day, Mm -hmm. especially as they get older. And I feel like that brings us back to kind of like our journey with our cohesiveness as a couple and our, our journey with communication is, you know, you can't really, I don't think we've ever gotten like a super really great handle on things because we're both changing as people, mm-hmm. which is also one of the best things about our marriages that we're changing together mm-hmm. and that we, we know each other. I know, I feel like I know you the best that I've ever known you. I don't feel like mm-hmm. I've ever been as close to you as we are now uh, <laughs> it was like faces are five inches from each other <laughs> We're super close but, to <laughs> and i but 
tomorrow we're going to grow even closer to each other mm. and and so on but well something i really noticed about the way you treat me is you started before we found the enneagram you started to treat me a little bit more with kit gloves when you wanted to tell me something you knew i didn't want to know or i didn't want mm. to talk about and something that was going to be critical Oh, so painful when I can't be direct. Oh, gosh. I know. Skylar does best when he can just say it. <laughs> just say it. He doesn't need to think about it. He's just going to say it. <laughs> and after many, many years of different ways to, you know, and again, no baggage, right? Like we're there's no baggage. And, and I don't want him to ever hold back. I want him to be honest as long as he's not being brutally like honest, what I thought at first you meant by kid gloves in in the moment, whatever mm-hmm. that was, ten years ago or something, yeah. I thought that meant like like cadence and tone of voice and like you know I for some reason <laughs> yeah, that's I what I thought and I was like no that was my interpretation <laughs> and I I yeah and we I soon realized that no that's. Because I was like, I'm not going to talk to you like that. Are you kidding me? Like, that's and so I degrading. Like, I was like, what do you mean? You're not going to be nice to me? Like, yeah, we were so- totally miscommunicating. <laughs> so it did take a while. But yeah, no, I I did understand. It's not, was it, it wasn't the way I was saying it. It was the words I was choosing. I couldn't be as direct. I had to have, basically, what it boiled down to was that I had to make sure she knew her feelings were more important than what I had to say. And truly, because Skylar values like that directness, that like data, just straight to it. It got to this point where he just started saying, "Okay, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I need to say say something. I need to get this off my chest or I want to talk to you about something that you're not going to want to hear. And I didn't think that that was really going to be helpful, but surprisingly it was. I could kind of just go, give it to me. I think Lay o- it on Yeah, me. only once you were like, now's not a good time. <laughs> yeah, but it, but I was able to tell you, I don't think I can handle that right now. Right, and it was fine. I was like, cool, talk about it later. And I was like, say what? <laughs> really? Okay. That worked. Okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, really, Enneagram 2s really struggle. With- I have trained him. I don't know. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. Nope. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is, no. <coughs> that is not the woman that I am. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> uh, I, I would, uh, yeah, I just, no. I was a joke. It was a good joke. It's a bad joke. It's I fine. want you to be you. I want you to be <laughs> I you. Am, okay. I, I, am. I know, and he is. Like that's that's one thing that I think that's been really helpful with Enneagram is to really get to know ourselves better so we can show up better in our marriage. Yeah. Cause as much as it's been helpful to know each other, I I've been able to advocate for myself differently and probably more accurately. And there's been a couple times where I've really had to be like, I need to do this, even though I know this doesn't make a lot of sense, but this is really important for my psyche, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And um, one of them namely was when I get sick, the whole house kind of changes because I'm not like getting the kids up in the morning and I'm not making them meals and I'm not picking them up from things and taking them to things and... It just, it changes the flow when I'm down and out. And yeah. I really had to come forward and be be like, look, when I'm sick, I really need to not even micromanage from the bed because I will try to. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I do that. And so I, I got sick recently and I kind of had to be like, okay, I got sick and Lucy got sick. Mm-hmm. And... I was much better at advocating for not micromanaging by things like, here is a chart for Lucy's temperature because her temperature was pretty out of control at some point and we were all kind of worried about it. And normally I would manage that. I would have even managed that from being sick. And I was like, that's not wise, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully I hopefully I stepped in. and Oh, 100%. I, I don't think I've asked you, like... No, for you, a progress report. Uh, <laughs> How did I do? 
No, it was it was really important moment for me because one of the things that twos have one of the hardest times with is setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. And advocating for themselves and understanding their own needs. And that is a hundred percent been my issue for a long time is I never slowed down long enough to think about what I needed or wanted. I got a little bit better about my own needs because I think it's it's a I felt like it was a healthy trait to really understand your your needs as a human being. But um it had to be really important, like base needs <laughs> for the longest time. And I'm getting to this point now where I'm starting to slow down and asking more about what I want. Mm-hmm. And I had to ask myself that while I was starting to get sick. And I was just like, well, what I what what's the best case scenario for me and my health right now? And it was <laughs> not things, being sick. Well, yes, of course. But it was also things like not even thinking about the meals yeah not not even being like oh you know there's this thing in the freezer you can have i just had to be like you know go there there's lots of things go look right (laughs) and i had to be like i don't even care if you go out just don't ask me what we're eating don't don't ask me what's in the kitchen just go go look and i've never really done that before Uh i've always been like oh there's these leftovers and you can do this and basically told you what to cook right and and it's not because you asked me to do that. It's just I kind of just took over and I just Yeah. No, you you're a lot better about the bed. creating boundaries. And I I always assumed that if you were um of course there's that core naughty word assume. Uh but I always <laughs> yeah, assumed that if you were really feeling that poorly, you would, you know, create a boundary and be like, "Look, I am useless to the world." You got to do all the things, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's been a it's been a good flow that way. So I feel like knowing myself has helped me show up in our marriage better. Do you feel that way? Or did it's you weird because well? no, it's weird because I feel like, you know, so you definitely know the fives better than I do. Mm-hmm. And I don't I resonate with a lot of the fives, but I Hesitant to put yourself in a box? Yeah, yeah. It's, man, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, Wait, I still have a question for you. Okay, sorry. I forgot the first question. I didn't answer well, it yet. Just, it, did you find that knowing yourself better helped you show up differently in our marriage? You've always known Absolutely. yourself. You've always I've, known yourself pretty well. I've known myself pretty well. Ex- that was one of the things that attracted me to you in the beginning was I was like, dang, that guy has more like introspection than anyone I've ever met. Yeah. I'm I like improving upon what's already there or you know, or maybe if you don't like the word improve, you could say change for the betterment of the individual i don't know what you want to call it i don't know i sound weird but um i've always been really into that yeah so i do like a i don't like do an annual thing i just you know when i'm feeling good about who i am and and what i'm doing i feel good about my life and where it's going i'll do kind of like a a quick i'll check in with myself and, and be like Yes, I will talk to myself and I'll say, how are things? How's it going? It's a tool I learned in uh, therapy, family therapy when I was 10. Uh, my my family went to family therapy for about eight months or so. And I picked up a lot of really cool tools. But So this is one of those tools where, yes, you should talk to yourself. Yes, you should have conversations with yourself. And it's okay if you answer back. You're not crazy. <laughs> but you should have those conversations, um, you know, it could be in the car, it can be a quiet walk or even just in your head. But, you know, where are you at in life? Are you satisfied? Where are you going in life? Are you okay with that? Is there anything that you think you can improve upon? Even if nothing comes to mind, pick something. Pick something to improve upon and go improve it. Um, I feel like that's a really healthy way to live because you're constantly um, adapting. Mm. Yeah, every the world's constantly changing around us all the time. You know, you got to change with it. People around you are changing constantly all the time. You got to grow with them and not separately because that's how I feel like people and relationships fall apart. Yeah, I think that it was really important for me to lean into that. I think that's part of the reason why I was so in awe of you doing that 
at such a young age like we were 20 when we met yeah and he already knew himself so well like that and that is so not my first inclination is to stop and go jen how are you doing are you achieving things? Are you? Do you have anything you should do and improve on? Like he's laughing because that's so not who I am. I'm no. like, I'm like, yeah. What's the next thing? Who else needs me? Like, where are we going? Like, like honestly, it's, it's a huge meditative exercise for me to sit down. Dude, it took like I think it was like three years of our marriage for you to like be able to be okay with saying sorry about something Mm -hmm. and like then letting it go Um, Mm -hmm. and and you were i could could say sorry but i wouldn't forgive myself you were flabbergasted you're like wait like that's it and i'm like dude that's just yeah i mean an apology is good enough just it's fine you don't have to beat (laughs) yourself up over it like i certainly won't i mean it's it's yeah like i had a really hard time uh letting my own problems go my own shortcomings may you we're not going to go into detail. <laughs> well, I mean, it, criticism is really hard for twos. I know I've already said that, but yeah. it's, um, I feel like that for me in particular meant that I was harder on myself than anyone realized. And it took a lot of introspection and self-love and um, self-learning for me to decide that mistakes are okay and because I'm also, I've got a wing three. And so achievement is really important to me. Making goals and going for it and achieving things just feels so good. Mm-hmm. And so it just, the idea that I wasn't like achieving in an area of my life was kind of painful. I was like, what do you mean I'm not perfect or I'm not like. <laughs> I admire the achieving stuff about you, actually. I, I kind of share that desire. Um, like a bump on a log sometimes you know <laughs> it's like what am i doing with you know i'm not doing like you know easy lazy saturdays i'm like i need to go build something anger makes i need to go achieve something <laughs> it's so weird Stop, but you don't do that do you really yeah i think that all the time like i mm. lately i've been better about it i can have a kind of a, a slow uh, saturday but that's why i like go i don't know pull weeds and stuff and i'm just I like gardening and everything, but I feel that sometimes I need to go achieve something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm basically what I'm saying is I prove feel your you. competency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, world, look at how competent and awesome I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I don't think that you are a huge showy person, but I can see that it's important to you to be able to all of the things that you've acquired are useful yeah i try not to be i like looking smart though i like that a lot <sighs> a lot of lots yeah. <laughs> a lot which is probably why i don't talk a whole lot like i don't speak mm. a ton unless i know exactly what i'm talking about that's true you do yeah you, you are very quiet unless you're like oh wait i know what that opportunity. is yeah, opportunity <laughs> bow to the one who knows the things <laughs> I don't really. That's not. He's like, wait, no, no. That's I'm not. totally joking. That's not what goes through my head. <laughs> well, one of the things that I wanted to go over was there is this like core longing phrase that you hear uh, that you can hear about for each Enneagram type. And I wanted to know what you thought about yours. I don't know if I understand this correctly. So your core longing is that your needs are not a problem. So. That kind of sounds like it's contradicting itself. I might need some more description. So my core longing is to feel as though my needs are not a problem. Yeah. But why would I want my needs to, why would I want to feel like my needs are not a problem? Well, if I'm being honest, I can see this for you, but you may not see it for yourself. Okay. No, I'm, I'm in school. You're in school? Learn me. Okay. Okay. So a lot of times when you come to me about something that we want that we need to talk about yeah um it has more to do with your needs than anything like you don't come at me and tell me i'm doing something wrong or that i you know you're not critical of me Mm -hmm. but if your needs aren't being met then we have a conversation right and if i argue with you if i fight you on it oh i see 
And that so you I, feel like your needs are not being met. I want my... I My core longing is to have my needs not cause problems. Yeah. And be a problem with the people in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, I like solving problems. I don't like mm. creating them. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about it that way. You like solving problems, not creating them. So wait, do you feel like... If you feel like there's a conflict around your needs that it has to be solved. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose that's why I bring it up and say, hey, I have a need. But if, okay, so here's the problem. If the problem, well, sorry, not trying to be redundant. If the problem is the fact that I have needs, not what the needs are, mm. then that's going to breed some serious resentment. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start putting walls up and be like, Cause, excuse me? Can you think of maybe more than two or three times in our 15 years of marriage that I've ever brought up my needs? Um, think, think about it. <laughs> nothing's coming to mind immediately. <laughs> it's usually, that usually comes to light when... I explode. Yeah, when we're having a conversation about my needs or something, and then you're like, "Well, you (laughs) you think you have needs? (laughs) Well, let me tell you something, Bucko." (laughs) Oh my gosh, I did not say Bucko. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm sure that's exactly how it is. It's when you yeah, we're transported to a yelling and crying, and we're transported to a spaghetti western (laughs) all of a sudden. Well, it's it's interesting if you think about it in that regard. Like, I think there's other Enneagram types that really are kind of self-forgetting, too. I know nines mm. are very, like, I have no needs because they're going to be a conflict. Like, right. You know, and sometimes with eights, they just don't think about their needs because they're so, like, justice-driven and autonomy is a big deal for them. And so their needs are usually met because it's at the forefront of their mind. Well, they... I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like eights create their needs without any help from anyone else. And they don't <laughs> need on their own. They don't need anyone else <laughs> for their needs, right? And, and and that may not be true, but I feel like that's what they're like. That's what they think, you know. I love how your like voice changes while you're talking about eights. <laughs> like the eights, man. They're very powerful. Yeah, they are. Very much so. But I mean, like for for twos, the core longing is you are wanted and loved. Mm-hmm. And when really, someone's unhappy with you, that's that's a blow. Right, but like, really, that's my core longing, and I can see that for myself. Like, the idea of not having a family that loves and cares for me, um, and then seeking that love and that desire anywhere else gives me the heebie-jeebies like Mm. like because that validation that love that belonging is so shallow elsewhere what do you mean you know like feeling wanted and loved in a career is not lifelong feeling wanted and loved in like a talent Right. Is surface because you will you you mean like because your career you do. will end one day yeah. and your talent you'll eventually well your talent is so like one dimensional it's just mm. a lot of times I'm talking like a talent like playing the piano right. dancing you know some of those things that we view quote unquote talents as um, in the arts and things like that it's you're only valued as long as you can do those things oh I see you know but when you are wanted and loved within a family. Hopefully you're loved and wanted for who you are. And so for me, it all revolves around people that I love and care about. And it doesn't always have to be family. I mean, family can be who you make it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I definitely have people in my life that are part of that circle for sure. But that core longing of being wanted and loved really is at the forefront. And I think that's why I've never really came to you for my needs is because you've always helped, you've always made me feel loved. Mm hmm. I don't really have any other needs, which is not yes, true. Yes, you do. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, that's not true, that's not true. But 
that's where my brain goes. Yeah, no, I can. Sure. Yeah, I can see that because I'm. I mean, I'm not like Superman, but yeah, I mean, I have, I feel like I have always tried to communicate to you that you are loved and Mm -hmm. I, you know, and that's the most important thing to me Mm -hmm. is for you to feel like I'm, I'm there for you. I'm in your corner and that you know exactly how I feel. Yeah. I've, I've really felt that. Yeah. Can you think of any time between us that we've really worked through something that uh, took time that was like hard for us that kind of took us really understanding each other to really <laughs> yeah uh cheerleading oh man <laughs> okay so it's a doozy i coached all-star cheerleading for seven years i'm not really sure if we've talked about that much on the podcast i know i did in like episode two like <laughs> this was a long time ago but um for most of my 20s i coached all-star cheerleading and you know, was pregnant for my first and second baby while I coached. You know, Paxton came to cheer competitions with me. To say like, she <laughs> was passionate is probably a drastic understatement. It was all consuming. Yeah, it was it was pretty involved and um I mean we traveled a lot, we practiced three days a week. Yeah. It was competition season was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I've always worked a nine to five job. Um, there was small stints where I didn't here and there, uh, cause I was at, you know, in school full time. Uh, but basically my schedule was different from hers, especially during competition season. It's like the weekends for me were, okay, finally I can breathe. That's my time to rest. And, uh, but Jenny's like, all right, bye. And I'm like, well, wait, no, this is the time where we get to spend with each other, but you're not here. And I was like, I'm going to go live my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, and I, I'm not part of that dream. Damn it. You know, like. Well, and the interesting thing is looking back on that, understanding your love language of quality time and understanding your core longing of your needs are not a problem. That was bad. In that situation, your needs were not being met, but I didn't realize what was happening because I was only barely understood your love language at the time. But it was hard for you because I know you were like, you didn't want to tell me to quit, <laughs> you know? No, but I I did communicate many times how important it was time with you. And in that situation, I felt like, I felt like uh, I wasn't being heard and I didn't quite know how else to really say it. So I thought I'd come up with different ways to say it. And I, we certainly argued about it often enough, but I didn't want you to resent me for, like, demanding you quit something you loved. I didn't want you to, I didn't even really want you to, well, it's not that I wanted you to quit so you'd be unhappy and, and be with me. That's not what I wanted. Like, I, I simply wanted you to make time for us and that wasn't really really possible it wasn't possible it wasn't really possible with that schedule and i i guess my there were a lot of feelings but it it just boiled down to um i i finally had to say hey we need to go get counseling then because that's when i went i've tried everything (laughs) i can think of to try to get you know your attention and get try to get the point across of exactly how I feel. And I feel like it's whether that was happening or not, I feel like it was falling on deaf ears and that I was essentially just being told to, you know, unless you're going to demand that I leave, then just deal with it. And I was like, this is not sustainable, you know? So I was, that's when I suggested, I was like, my communication is not enough. We need help. And I think that that was my huge wake up call because I was not, I didn't understand. And it wasn't that I didn't want to or that I was choosing to ignore it and I knew it or I was telling you to, you know, buck up. It's just, you know, this is the way it is. It's just, And I didn't want that either. And mm. it was kind of the beginning of this journey of deeper understanding because up until that point, because we'd been married eight years no, we'd been married. See, we'd been married six years at that point, and 
I yeah, we lived in the Sandy Heights house at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was yeah, we'd been married six years and um Paxton was about a year old or so, year and a half, something like that. And I had a lot of changes going on. I I had left the med spa world at that time and I was feeling very lost. I was a new mom. Um, and really the only like normalcy, quote unquote, that I still had a hold of was coaching chair. Mm-hmm. You know, my aesthetics career was changing and I didn't know what was going to happen next. I was a new mom, you know, a new mom of a kid with a lot of health needs that I didn't understand. <laughs> like I felt just hundred percent out of control and chair was very straightforward for me. I was wanted. I was needed. I was loved. I was cared for like all these People have known me for a long time and they knew what to expect from me. And it was just easy, Hmm. you know? And so I think I just really clung on to the, the, what I knew Uh and it met part of my core desire, but it was more important to me. And I knew that it was more important to me that family comes first. But that was that was a tough decision for me at the time. But once I made the decision and went through with it, um, I I knew I made the right decision to listen. And you were more important. Yeah, no, uh, you definitely at that moment, you you turned it around almost probably overnight. And it wasn't it's not like you quit the next day. Cheer. I couldn't. Um, In fact, I don't even think. It was, you know, I think it was... Uh, I quit competitive coaching. I quit That's right. travel coaching. There was still like some... Yeah, but well, what was important to me is that I could see that you were, you were choosing to put... You know, you were choosing to make time for me, essentially. Yeah, I decided to... Um, I decided the last year that I coached, I coached a non-travel team. And I felt that that was... Um, a good compromise because I knew I wouldn't be resented. I wouldn't be resentful if I quit, but it would have been very abrupt for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I did love it so much. And it was very, I was very much wanted, you know, it was in coaching all-star cheer at the time was, um, not many people did it. And so it was a small world and there wasn't very many coaches available and so in the area that I was in, and so the idea of just quitting didn't seem right either. And so, yeah, I'm saying pulling back to a non-travel team. But in that time, I really took that year to evaluate if this is what I wanted. And it took me the next year or so. And I knew that I came to the conclusion on my own that I'd be happier and I would lead my life's purpose better if I quit coaching. Mm-hmm. But it also helped that I got pregnant with our second child, and I knew that was going to be impossible. Yeah, that was <laughs> not going to work out. And there was also, there was also a little bit of like I had kind of, I had completely because of that. It was funny because we didn't spend a ton of time together. Like I had unknowingly completely made myself. 100% available when I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. I literally wasn't interested in anything. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't hang out with friends. I didn't like have hobbies that, you know, took me away uh, from home or anything like that. Um, largely because if, if I didn't want to have like on the off chance that you wanted to spend time together, that I was like busy. And so I didn't. Well, what's interesting about that is reading more about fives and knowing that they're innovative and intelligent and inventive you weren't using any of that. You weren't no. flexing that muscle. And it was like that for a while. Wait, it was like long. that for a couple of years. Actually, it wasn't until about I quit, and then you started doing all that gardening. <laughs> well, I I remember I came to you for advice. I was like, mm-hmm. "Look, I don't have anything that I'm interested in. Like, what do you do?" <laughs> you know, because I was like, "This isn't healthy." Well, he wasn't taking any time to focus on himself at all, which is funny because it's like the opposite. However, I grew up. My mom was an Enneagram Four. And understanding that a little bit better, uh, she was really in touch with self-care and understanding you got to, you know, fill your bucket first. And yeah. and so she really taught me how to um, 
you know, do things for myself. And she was very much the mom that was like, there's one piece of cake. It's mine. <laughs> you cannot have it. It's mine. Whereas like my inclination is, is oh, you can have it. It's fine. Like, <laughs> or we can split it or we'll share it. It's fine. And, and my mom was just like, I'm the mom. I give up everything else. It's mine. <laughs> you know, like, And so I had this great like modeling of how to care for myself. And so I really did try to take that time for myself. When I worked full time, it was easier and more clear cut of when to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've really struggled with how to care for myself, being a, a mom and a, an entrepreneur and choosing my own schedule. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm the moment my eyes are open and the time my eyes are closed, I am busy doing something. And I've really struggled with how to, like, do the self-care thing and during that time. But I, I was modeled it so well that when you came to me and you're like, I don't even I don't even know how to do this. Yeah. I was just like, well, what do you, what do you into? And you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> well, a lot was changing for you too. You were going from, you know, being a young man to being a man. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things that you were shifting towards. You know, you were full-time job, dad, school, you know, there wasn't a lot of time to go longboarding and there wasn't a lot of time to sit and play guitar and a lot of yeah. things that you enjoyed when you were dating. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was a really transformative time in our life. But the Enneagram has helped me get to know myself better in consequence to get to know you. But I had to get to know myself first. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I definitely see that. I mean, there's a lot of things about the two that really resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like if you go just read the literature you're like oh my gosh this is oh i knew yeah i knew i was a two the second i read it i was like oh yep i'm a two and that's why it was a little harder for me because i resonate like i said i resonate with the fives still kind of not like they're all the way 100 percent um there's a lot of things in the fives that really annoy me oh there's so many things about the two that annoy me are you kidding i'm like well but no i can legitimately say i don't do that like i just don't oh i can say that about some of the two stuff too yeah i don't think i'm possessive am i possessive no no you wouldn't think it too would be possessive because they're so selfless so that's really weird but that's the underlying issue with a lot of twos. Well, that's the funny thing is, is it's that's the underlying problem with twos is pride and possessiveness and um, meaning well. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, all of the strings attached. See, but that's the thing is you don't that would indicate manipulation. You have no manipulation whatsoever in your entire body. And I would know. <laughs> because my mom is well you got like a red flag radar going all the time yeah my mom <laughs> trained me well to detect manipulation from all sorts of situations Five hundred thousand feet <laughs> <laughs> i mean i would i would i would like to think that i don't have those things but reading about it i'm like Ugh, uh, like no and i think every type has no. that and i personally have seen this happen with so many people that the more you're disgusted by a type, the chances are that's your type. Really? <laughs> yeah, like every single time. Really? Every oh. single time. No, I I mean, no offense to sevens, but I just don't get... Like sixes and sevens, I'm You just, cannot get them, but you're not I grossed just, out by them. I, I'm not grossed out by five stuff. I just don't... Mm-hmm. I just don't agree with a lot of the, you know, weird, like, shut-in type qualities that they have and hang-ups about social you know gatherings and people and stuff <laughs> well that's also because you're a little bit of a contract contradictory subtype yeah yeah don't put me in a box nobody puts a baby in a corner <laughs> <laughs> don't forget it <laughs> well i can't thank you enough for being on the podcast with me late at night we even had to take a break in the middle to go care for a midnight issue well it's not midnight but it's, it's close it's close a middle of the night a middle of the night issue with kid, a child kid issue but this is this is what we do we support each other right absolutely <laughs> you are an avid listener are you not uh, of of 
a rebel heart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, if I don't listen to the whole, it's it's basically every episode I listen to at least the first fifteen minutes. Which truly, you guys, is the hugest compliment ever because quality time matters to him. You know, time matters. So thank you for listening. Absolutely. I'd say it's a good sixty percent where I listen to the whole through the whole episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm like that with other people's podcasts. Sometimes you just can't listen to the whole thing. I'm just thrilled that you listen at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest. I, you know, I try to be supportive, but also I feel like what you guys talk about is very interesting. Cassie is very knowledgeable mm-hmm. and uh, very charismatic about what she talks about. It's, it just comes very naturally to the the pair of you and you guys are very good friends chad kathy it's easy to listen to it's branded really well i like your guys's thank you Mm -hmm. i like the opening you know music and (laughs) oh now you're gushing i like how um i like how positively you've affected your community that you're building uh i feel like it could grow rapidly really uh easily and and soon um that actually brings me to the, the, my last little point here. If you guys have enjoyed this episode, please, please share. This is a community of people that we have been seeing week to week to week, and we're getting a lot of the same listeners every week, and we're so thrilled to have that time with you guys and that you're listening to this podcast. And please rate, if you can, in iTunes and share with a friend. We would love to be able to grow this little Rebel Heart community, and we're just so thrilled to do this week to week. And Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.